You're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church by Pastor Dean Miller. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and an encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. Now, here's Pastor Miller. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We belong to something today. If, you, uh, if you're saved and, uh, and you are part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, you belong to something today that is extremely, extremely special. You belong to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a joy that is to be members of his body. You say, well, I'm, I'm really a nobody. Well, you're a, you might be a nobody, but you're a somebody in his body. All right? And if you think you're a somebody, well, then you think too highly of yourself, okay? None of us are somebody, only somebody in his body. But we are members in Christ. And I want to speak this morning on the subject of the fellowship of believers. Now, you say, what does that have to do with me? Well, uh, how many of you, by show of hands this morning, would say, uh, Pastor, I am a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, all right. If you believe and have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ with saving faith, there is a fellowship of believers. And I want to tell you, uh, there is something about being in that fellowship There are some things that God has done to put us into that fellowship, and there are some things that we need to understand that we have benefits as well as we have responsibilities in that body. And and as we are looking this year at, at this word, focused, focused, with all that's going on in the world today, God's people need to be focused on the things that God has called us to. Listen very carefully. Our, the verse that God has put on our heart for a church this year is 2 Corinthians. You don't need to turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Paul said, for we look not at the things that are seen. Okay, Paul. <laughs> well, then what do we look at? We look at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal. The things that are unseen are eternal. I will tell you right now, there are too many people that are the people of God who are followers of Jesus Christ, but we have our eyes on all the things that you can see. And we see all the things in this world that are going on. And and Christians are at unrest. Christians are at unease. Christians are anxious and fearful. And believers are making all kinds of decisions Uh, that are wrong decisions and living for the wrong things because we're living for the things that we see and not for the things that you can't see. I want to tell you something. The unseen world is, is a greater reality than the seen world because the unseen world was here first and the unseen world will be here last. You say, well, are you, what do you mean the unseen world? I'm talking about the world that God made. I'm talking about the spiritual is, uh, is, is of greater value and of greater wealth and worth than the seen world. Now, listen, Christian, we come in here and we see a building. We come in here and we see people. We see chairs. You see a pastor. Uh, you see uh, people singing. You see, you see all kinds of things physically. But I want to tell you something. There is something here spiritually that we miss unless we are spiritually minded and spiritually focused. I want to show you what that is today. Look in your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and look at verse number 12. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Now look at verse 25. We'll come back to some of these verses, but look at verse 25. That there should be no schism or no division or no disunity in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. All right? Now, listen. There is something that happens when we get saved. 
When we get saved, listen, and when I say when we get saved, I mean this. When you come as a sinner and you come with a heart of repentance and faith towards Jesus Christ, knowing that you're a sinner, there's nothing you can do to save yourself, but you've looked upon Christ who died for you, who bore your sins and was buried and rose again from the dead. When you come to him by faith and you believe on him, you receive him. Now listen, believing isn't just a a mental assent that, well, he existed. No, believing is, I mean, I can have a mental assent that I believe this chair could hold me up. How many of you believe that that chair could hold me up? Okay, <laughs> some of you are saying, some of you are, you're sleeping already, all right? How many of you believe that chair can hold me up? All right, you believe that chair can hold me up? Okay, now, now, now that's not, that's not faith. That's not faith. Faith, faith is not just a belief that something is. Faith is an action that something is. So you say, okay, well, I believe that chair can hold you up. But if, but if I do this, all right, am I believing on this chair, yes or no? No, I'm not believing on this chair. I believe it can hold me up. Now watch this. Saving faith is I come to Christ and I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe on him. I rest my faith on him. Listen to me. I'm not going to heaven today because I believe that Jesus existed. I'm going to heaven today because I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, the life. I have cast myself on him. He has paid for my sin. Listen, if he doesn't let me in, I don't go. Because I have nothing else banked up. You say, well, haven't you lived a good life? Talk to my wife. (laughs) Find out if I've lived a good life or not. I've not lived a good enough. I wouldn't trust my best 15 minutes to get me into heaven. Faith is coming to Christ and believing Him. Now, when you've believed on Christ, when you... Now, boys and girls, don't stand on the furniture, okay? <laughs> don't go home and stand on the furniture and tell mom and dad you have faith. No, that's not... We don't do that. Now, now, when you've come to Christ by faith, it's an amazing thing what happens. Listen to me. When you believe on Him, He believes in you. When you receive Him, He receives you. When you take Him, He takes you. And the Holy Spirit places you into the body of Christ. Watch it. Look at verse number, look at verse number 13. For by one Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Now let's talk about this word baptized. The word baptized, I love the word baptized. In the English, we use the word baptized. Now that was a word that was, that was just taken straight from the Greek and made into an English word. They didn't even do any kind of translation where the, the, the Greek word is baptizo. They just took that and said baptize. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to baptize. Now what is baptizo? What does baptize mean? Baptize means to be placed under or to be placed in or to be immersed. So baptism, baptism by water baptism is when a person is placed in or under or immersed in water. That's baptism. Now, the Holy Spirit, when you got saved, baptized you, placed you in, placed you under Christ. He took you and baptized you into Jesus. So that, watch this, this is an amazing thing. So that when Jesus was dying, you were dying. When Jesus was buried, you were buried. When Jesus rose again from the dead, you were rose again. By the way, that's the only way that God could save you. For the wages of sin is death. So you had to die. Well, how did we die? We died in Christ. Well, how do I have eternal life? I was risen with Christ. The Holy Spirit placed me there. When we took our tour to Israel back in March, we were standing in Israel. We went to Golgotha. And uh, and our guy said, has anybody ever been here before? And uh, and I, I, I wanted to raise my hand and say, I've been here before. That was my first time to Israel. But I had been there before. When I got saved 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit put me into Christ. You say, I don't understand that. Neither do I, but I believe it. Now, now listen to me. The Holy Spirit places you into Christ. That's you're baptized into Jesus. Everybody understand that? Shake your head up now if you got that. Okay, now watch this. So when you get saved, you're placed, you're baptized into Christ. Now, water baptism, water baptism, 
When we baptize believers who come forward and say, I have trusted Christ, we baptize them. Why? The Bible says to be baptized after you're saved. Why? Because water baptism is an outward symbol of what happened by the Holy Spirit. This is what you see that is a demonstration of what you couldn't see. When a person placed their faith in Christ, they were placed into Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So we use water baptism as an outward demonstration of what happened when you're saved. Did you receive Christ? Yes. Well, let me tell you what happened. Upon your public profession of faith, uh, we are buried into his baptism, or buried into his death, and raised to walk in newness of life. This is an outward symbol. Baptism doesn't save you. Christ saves you. Baptism is a picture of it. Everybody understand that? All right, shake your head up and down if you understand that. Okay, good. We got a good crowd this morning. You're you're keeping up. Now watch this. Now when you get baptized, you're placed into Christ, you become members of his body. Now, just like baptism is an outward symbol that visibly demonstrates something that happens spiritually, the local New Testament church is an outward demonstration of what happened Spiritually, you were placed into his body, the spiritual body of Christ. You're there. But watch this. You come into a local assembly. You become members in this body as demonstration of that body. So we can say this today. I belong to the, I belong to the body of Christ because I'm saved. But more specifically, I belong to the body of Christ because I'm a member here. Does everybody understand that? I'm, I'm, so, so watch, I'm a member here as a demonstration of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. This is where I am able to live that out within this body. And the body has many members. Now, listen, there's a lot of members in this church. There's some who are not here today for various reasons. Some are sick, some are away. There are many members in this church. I, I'm, I, I, have a, I have a list of membership. I pray, I pray through our church family. Listen, we have a lot of members here. And I will tell you this, every one of them is different. We have some real different members. <laughs> I'm one of them. Now, do you, know why, do you know why God made us different? Watch this. Look, at, look down here. Watch this. Watch this. Look it down here. Verse number 14. For the body is not one member, but many. Now, why did he say that? Look down here in verse number 23. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts, or our un-good-looking parts, have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part that lacked. Why? That there should be no schism in the body. But that the members should have the same care one of another. All right? Now watch what he's saying. He's saying this. He's saying, he's saying I want you to see that in a body, there are all kinds of members. Some are good-looking members. Some are not so good-looking. And God uses this to demonstrate this. He uses the human body as an example. All right? So to show the unseen, God is going to use the seen. So he's going to use your body for an example of what the church body is, the body of Christ is to be like. And how many of you have some uncomely parts of your body? We're glad that you've got clothes on today. We're thankful that you put a little makeup on or that you did your hair. Men, we're glad. Some of you, you combed your hair. We're glad about that. You put on some perfume or cologne. We're glad about that. Uh, Listen, uh, the body has many members. But let me ask you a question. What member of your physical body today, what member of your physical body would you willingly part with today? We have a couple of doctors here. We'll just numb you up and cut it off right over there. We say nobody. Why? Because every member is important. Now, you haven't thought a thing about your pinky toe today. And we're glad you got shoes on. Solomon was in his love letter, Song of Solomon. He wrote to his girl in Song of Solomon chapter 5. And he said, how beautiful are thy feet with shoes. <laughs> he was being a positive husband. 
He's like, I'm glad you're putting them hooves in some heels, sister. <laughs> they look good. In fact, let's never take shoes off. They look good with shoes on. That's a positive husband. Now listen, none of us would do, but I will tell you this, you get up at two o'clock in the morning and go to the bathroom and you hit that little thing on the coffee table, you're going to know it's there. And you're going to know that it is a very important part of your body because the entire body is going to get involved. You, ah, ah. If you could, you'd put that thing in your mouth. <laughs> the whole body is focused on that one thing. Why? Look at verse number, look down at verse number 26. Whether one member suffereth, all the members suffer with it. So God is using your body. All members make up one body and they're all different. Why does God make all the members different? Listen to me. God made all the members different so he could make all the members one. He made all the members one. Look at your Bible right here. Watch this. Look down at, look down at verse number. <laughs> I love this. Look down at verse number uh, 16. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, Mike Wazowski. Some of you don't know who that is. But if the whole body was an eye, what is that? The body can't, I mean, if all the body was an eye, boy, it would see good, it would look good, but it wouldn't smell good. It wouldn't hear good. It wouldn't feel good. So the whole body can't be an eye. The whole body can't be an ear. God made all the members different so he could make all the members one so that the whole body could work together to do what the body's supposed to do. So God is going to show us that we have an obligation, listen to me, one to another. Now, that was all introduction. Let me give you the message very quickly. Number one, I want you to write this down. What is the purpose of the body? Or what is, what is, what is the function of the body? What is the function of the body? Well, I will tell you this. The body has several functions. Number one, the body was made to house and serve the person who lives in it. Listen, I'm not my body. I'm in my body. And we all know that intuitively. We don't go say, I'm going to go get cut. We say, I'm going to go get my hair cut. Something that I possess. I didn't clip. I didn't, I clipped my nails, all right? So here's the thing. It's, it's, we take the body as a personal possession. I possess the body. I live in this body. It's the house of my body. Now, what does the body do? The body has a function. Here's what the body does. The body houses and the body serves the person who lives in it. Let me tell you something. The body is a wonderful, wonderful servant. The body is a terrible master. Paul said, I have to keep under my body, keep it in subjection. Why? It's the servant. It's the body was made to serve me, not me to serve the body. If I begin to serve the body, I become addicted. I'm an addict. I'm chasing sugar or alcohol or drugs or I'm chasing whatever I can to pleasure the body because the body's in control. The body was made to serve you. You were not made to serve it. So the body, the body serves as a servant to the person who lives in it. But not only that, number two, the body reveals the person who lives in it. Now, listen to me. What you see today is not Dean Miller. It's just the house that I wear. And this house is to serve me. But the real me is in here. If you come to my funeral, you're going to see these hands, these feet, these eyes. You're going to see all of this in a casket. But I will tell you something. That's not me. Beneath these flowers and beneath these trees lays the body of Benjamin Pease. Beneath these trees, beneath this sod. But Pease is not here. Pease shelled out and went to God. That was an old gravestone in, the, in England about a guy who died, Benjamin Pease. Pease shelled out and went to God. Like one man said, when he was, and one pastor was trying to explain this and he said, listen, old brother John down here, this isn't really brother John, brother John's in heaven. Uh, this is just a shell. The nut went to heaven. <laughs> now, 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 listen to me. This is not really who I am. But watch this. Everything you know about me, you know through my body. If you were to see me in the store, you could see me from the back. You see an old gray hair walking down the road or walking down the aisle. And the way I walk, you'd say, hey, I think that's Pastor. Hey, that's Pastor Dean. And you, you would know me. Because you saw by my body, the way my body moves, the way my body looks, 
It reveals to you who I am. If I wrote a note to you, my handwriting would tell you who wrote it. You would know me through what my body did. Uh, If I called you on the phone and and there was no caller ID and you said hello and I said, hey, how are you? You'd say, hey, Dean, how are you? You would know me through my voice. My body makes me known. Watch this. So the body serves the person who lives in it. Watch. And the body reveals the person who lives in it and makes the person in it known. I know you through your body. You know me through my body. Now watch this. The function of this body then is to serve the one who lives in it. We were here to serve him. We're not here to serve or to be served. We're not here to say, okay, what can you do for me? No, we're here as members of the body saying to to Jesus Christ, what can we do for you? We serve the one who lives in it. We're serving him. And not only that, but we reveal him. Listen, how is Jesus known? Jesus is known through his body. Hey, listen, this is a sobering thought. You openly demonstrate to this world who Jesus is. You're his voice. You're his hands. You're his feet. The world thinks of Christ based on what they see in his body. The body's purpose is to make him known. Everybody with me on that? Okay. You see, the body has life. A body that doesn't have life is a body that's dead. If this body has life, it needs to have life. Why? It has life through the Spirit. This body's life is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in me. The Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit makes this church a living church. So that it's living together and it's serving together and it's making Jesus known together this body is alive. Not only that, this body has a purpose. It's to do the will of the person who lives in us. I am not here to get what I want done. I'm here to do the will of him that sent me. I'm I'm not shepherding this church so that this church can do what I say. I'm shepherding this church so that this church can do what he says. He's the head. He is the shepherd. This body has a purpose, and that's to do the will of him. This body has parts. It has members. And these members are to function together, listen to me, without disunity, to accomplish the common purpose that we have to serve Christ. You ever seen a body that didn't coordinate? Go go watch an elementary school basketball game. You'll see bodies that are not in coordination together. It's not a great basketball game, but it's fun entertainment. <laughs> Those bodies are learning to coordinate together. Listen, you know how many churches are so uncoordinated, members not knowing what other members are doing? Why? Because they're not in touch with the head. When the head, when we're all serving Christ, there's no disunity in the body. Now, that's number one, the body has a function. Number two, the body, how is the body formed? I said that a moment ago. It's formed by the Holy Spirit placing us into the body. Look down in verse number 18 with me. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Hey, listen. God takes the members and puts them in the body where he's pleased. That's a joy to me. Because here's the thing. There are things about what I do in the church that are not always pleasing to me. But I know that as a member in this church, what I'm doing is pleasing to him. And you as a member in this church, what you do here are pleasing to him. You say, does anybody notice? He notices because he made you and he brought you into the body and he placed you into the body where it pleases him. And God formed the body and God put you here to place you into Christ to fulfill your function. Number three, the body has a function. The body was formed by the Holy Spirit putting you where God wants you in the body. And number three, the body has a fellowship. The body has a fellowship. Uh, fellowship is an English word, an old English word, which just means fellows in the same ship. We're all in the ship and we're all rowing together. And there's got to be a mutual, consistent striving together of that church in fellowship to move the church forward, to move the body forward. The body has a fellowship. (laughs) Now, what's our fellowship? Listen, we have a fellowship today because if you're saved, you have the same life that I have. 
I have the life of Christ and you have the life of Christ. He that has the Son has life and he that has not the Son of God has not life. We have the same life. We have the same love. We love Jesus. Loving Jesus, we love one another. So we have the same love. We have the same life. And listen, we have the same Lord. So we have a fellowship in that we all are partakers of his life. We all have his love and we all have him as our Lord. And he's the master. That's a wonderful thing. So there's a fellowship in that. And so since we belong together, he is the head, we are the members, then there is no room for pride. There's no room for arrogance. There's no room for neglect. Listen to me, church. It is so easy for a church to get caught up in certain things where there becomes a schism or a division or disunity in the body. And I'll tell you what happens. It's always over the things that we see because we're not focused on the things that we don't see. We see that other member who's doing something that is displeasing to us. But what we don't see is Christ in them and Christ in us. And that he loves them and he loves me. And we have a mutual fellowship. And there's some things that I have to do to make things right with that member of the body. Listen, listen to me. Just, let me just give you a little parenthesis here. As, as, when I'm going to tie all this together in just a minute. You're going to see where we're going. But watch this. This world is becoming increasingly more dark. Openly, listen, the world is openly worshiping Satan. Now, now don't, don't get offended what I'm going to say right now. Don't, please don't get offended. But you have, you have Hollywood blatantly worshiping Satan at their award ceremonies. The greatest stars in all the world, what was it, Sam Smith, I think, is a guy who performed a great, wicked, devilish act, and CBS actually tweeted out, man, we're ready for it, let's worship. Like CBS said, let's worship. And it was a whole satanic act. And, and we're, 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 we're turning a blind eye, and, and we're letting our kids be pulled into this world by all that's going on in the world. The world is losing its mind politically in every other way. And I want to tell you something. They're coming after the Christian. Here, here in just the last few days, they're calling us Christian nationalists. Now listen, I'm not a Christian nationalist. I, I, would, love for, I would love to have a nation filled with Christians. I want everybody to know Jesus. I want everybody to follow Jesus. But I'm not in ministry today to, to make America Christian. I'm in the, the ministry today to win people to Jesus Christ. Individuals. You understand that? And there's a huge difference. But here's what they're doing. They're lumping it all in. And they're saying things like this. Christian nationalists are people who believe that we get our rights from God. Well, we get our rights, or we, you know, then they say, well, we, you know, they, don't, they reject the fact that we get our rights from Congress. Well, listen, Congress didn't give us our rights because if they did, they could take them. But God gave us our rights. Our founding documents that we believe that every man is created and endued with, with, with inalienable, un, uh, inalienable rights provided by our creator. Amen. Okay, so we believe that. God is the one who gives us rights. God has given it to us in his word. But listen to me. I'm saying that to say this. The world's pressure is coming in. The church of Jesus Christ needs to understand who she is. And what she is. And we need to understand the spiritual fellowship that we have one to another. And the responsibilities that we have to him and to one another. If we're going to make great process and progress in the world today. If we're going to function with unction and do what God has called us to do. We need to know who we are and what we're here for. So we have a fellowship in this body. We are to follow him. And listen, church, there's no room for pride. There's no room for arrogance. There's no room for, for neglect within the members of the church. We must do the things that God has called us to do. There's no rivalry in the body. My foot and my hand are not at odds. My hand needs my foot. My foot needs my hand. No, members of, no two members of my body are at war with one another. And if they are, then there's something wrong with the body. 
Listen, here's the thing. You need to understand this. When, when you gain, I gain. When you're blessed, I'm blessed. When you suffer, I suffer. When you hurt, I hurt. We, we are, as a fellowship as of believers, we're in this together. The more blessed that you are of God, the more blessed I'm of God. I need to, I need to pray for God to bless you. Because when God blesses you, I'm blessed by that. There is no self-sufficiency in the body. So no member can say of another member, I don't need you. Hey, just look around for just a minute, around the people around you. Just, just look at the people around you for just a minute. You need them. And they need you. You say, well, what do I have to offer? Are you saying that God doesn't have need of you? God placed you in the body as it pleased him. So the body must need you. God needs you. This body needs you. You need one another. If the body goes to war with itself, then the body is sick. Listen, in, in, the, in the church, we would diagnose that as a cancer in the body. And so God gives us details of what that looks like. Let me give them to you quickly before we're dismissed. Look at verse 25 again. That there should be no schism or no division or no disunity in the body, but that the members, that's you, that's me, should have the same care one for another. Now, now listen, you might be sitting here today thinking, well, what does this message have to do with me? Maybe you're not part of the membership. Maybe you're not part of a body. Maybe you don't belong to the body. And maybe you need to be saved today. You'll understand that. Maybe you need to get into a local church, a Bible-believing church, and get to be a part of it and just jump in and serve. Listen, you're never going to find a perfect church. If you do, don't join it. You'll mess it up. You think, well, I don't know what this means to me. It has everything to do with you. Because God has a plan, and God's plan calls for the body to care for one another. Listen to this verse, John 13, 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Now, he gave a qualifier. He said, I want you to love each other. Say, okay, yeah, I love my church. No, 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 no. As I have loved you, that's how you love one another. The qualifier of the love that we have for one another is the love that Christ had for you. That's what's called the law of Christ. This was a new commandment. By the way, this commandment fills all, fulfills all the commandments of the Old Testament. You, you know, if you love somebody as Christ loved you, you're not going to commit adultery with their wife. If you love somebody as Christ loved you, you're not going to steal their stuff. If you love somebody as Christ loved you, you'll honor your parents. You'll fulfill the whole law in that law by saying, I'm going to love with the same love that he's loved me with. And this was the new commandment that Jesus gave. And that new commandment was just before he went to the cross. It was his last commandment. He said, this is what I want you to do. This is the law of Christ. So the law of Christ is that you love one another. It fulfills the whole law. Now, let me just tell you something, church. Listen to me. I, there's nothing wrong with it, but wearing a cross or putting a fish bumper sticker on your car is not the way you declare to everybody that you're a Christian. Nothing wrong with those things, but that's not the way you say, hey, look at me, I'm a Christian. Uh-uh. You know how Jesus said you're a Christian? He said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that ye have love one for another. See, our badge of Christianity is an unseen badge. It's not something we wear around our neck or put on the bumper of our car. Our badge is that we love each other as Christ loved us. I want to tell you something. Listen to me. The great mark that Jesus said that was going to happen in the last days. In the last days, the disciples said, how should we know when the end of the world should be? Jesus said, here's what you're going to know. You're going to see in the last days, iniquity abound. Now, iniquity in the Bible is a word that means lawlessness. You're going to see lawlessness abound. And lawlessness does not just mean people breaking the speed limit and murdering each other, although those are laws. You're going to see people with no disregard. They're going to have disregard for all authority. 
They're going to throw out all the laws. And not just the laws of government and the laws of society, but listen, the laws of nature. I'm going to defy the laws of nature and I'm going to be whatever I want to be. Because I don't like what God made me to be, so I'm going to change that. I'm going to be me. And then I'm going to demand that you respect it. You accept me for the me that I couldn't accept. I couldn't accept myself as a man. But now I'm going to force you to accept me as what I say. That's what the world's doing. It's lawlessness. It's insanity. Now listen. The church, the church of Jesus Christ needs to understand that we're going to live in a world filled with lawlessness. And our job is not to condemn the world. Our job is not to put our arm around them and condone the world. Our job is to confront the world with truth and grace. So Jesus said the two great markers of the end days, one is lawlessness when men throw away all laws. And by the way, we're seeing that today. And politicians don't follow the law. They expect you to. Men are lawless today, no regard for authority. Lawless. And then the second thing Jesus said, you're going to see an abundance of lawlessness. And he said, and the love of many will wax cold. The mark of the last days is in two things, lawlessness and lovelessness. Do we not see that today? That's why all through the New Testament, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Fulfill the law of Christ. Bear ye one another's burdens. Be members joined together with the love of Christ in you. Why? Because that way, men will know you're my disciples. Men will see me in your body. The whole world will see. I'll tell you something. When you get a church that's loving like Christ loves, that that church is going to stand out like a diamond in a coal mine. In a dark world, people are going to say, wait a minute, there's love there. People who care and people who hurt and people who laugh and people who share and people who are one with another. That's what God says. Our responsibility is this is the fellowship of the church. And by the way, we have to be commanded to love. Jesus said, a new commandment I give. Why? Why did he have to command us? Because we don't do this automatically. This is not something that you can do. This is something that, listen, watch this very carefully. Every command in the Bible, God does not give a, a command that you don't have the ability to fulfill. But his commands to fulfill them require him. This is why the whole Old Testament law falls short because no man can ever fulfill the old law Without Christ living in him. You can't fulfill the righteousness of God on your own. (laughs) You need Jesus in you. And when you have Jesus in you, he fulfills the law in you. Now watch this. You can't fulfill this commandment without Christ. If you're going to love others like Christ loves you, it's going to require Christ loving them through you. Husbands, if you're going to love your wife as Christ loved you, it's going to require him to love your wife through you. It's going to require his love through you. You can't do it without him. So then we have a whole church then submitted, every member submitted to him, loving one another as he has loved us, fulfilling this commandment. Well, how do we love each other? Well, let me just tell you something. Real love is not in giving somebody what they deserve. Real love is not in giving somebody what they want. Real love is only found in giving somebody what they need. How did Jesus love me? He didn't give me what I deserved. If he gave me what I deserved, I would go to hell. He didn't give me what I wanted. I mean, what I wanted was a good life here. And man, Jesus come into my life and give me, make me rich. Let me tell you what he gave me. He gave me what I needed. He gave me salvation from my sin. And he gave me a new heart. He gave me a new life. He changed my desires and my affections. He brought me into fellowship with God. He didn't give me what I wanted. He didn't give me what I deserved, but he gave me what I needed. Listen to me, church. That's what we're to do for one another. We're to give each other what we need. Not what we deserve. 
Somebody speaks an ill word to you. You say, well, they deserve that. No, listen, you give them love. You give them love. I don't have time today to finish all that I have here. But the Bible says here, we're to receive one another. In Romans chapter 15 and verse number 7, the Bible says, Wherefore, receiving one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. I don't understand how Jesus receiving me brought God glory. But Jesus received sinful men. He was a friend of sinners. He received sinful men. And we're to receive each other with the same reception that he received us with. Listen to me, church. Oh, man. God deliver us from religion. And give us true Christianity. Do you understand what the church of Corinth looked like? These people in Corinth, listen to me. Many of them had been absolute raw pagans. Many of them had been divorced. They had been remarried. Many of them had been in polygamous relationships. They had met multiple marriages. There were Jews. There were Gentiles. Listen, the Jews who would not eat pork, who would not touch anything unclean, were having to go to church potlucks with people bringing bacon. <laughs> they were uneducated and educated. They were rich and they were poor. Listen, in the New Testament church, it was the first time and the only place where the slave and the master had a seat at the same table as equals. Paul wrote to Onesimus, I mean to Philemon, and said to Philemon, Philemon, Onesimus, your runaway slave who stole from you and ran away from you, he is coming back to you now, saved, and I don't want you to receive him as a servant. I want you to receive him as an apostle. And rather, I want you to receive him like he's me. You put him in my bedroom, you put him in my place, and anything that he spends, you put on my account. That's how Christ received us. Listen, there were barbarians in the church. There were ignorant people in the church, educated people in the church, young people in the church, old people in the church. There's nothing greater than in my heart to stand outside of that door on a Sunday morning and watch people. I see walkers and wheelchairs and I see baby carriages. I see young and I see old. I see rich and I see poor. I see brand new saints and I see old saints. I see disciples and I see brand new Christian babies. And listen to me, that's what it's all about. And we receive them with the same reception that Christ has received us with. We're to make everyone who desires to worship God welcome and receive them. The Bible says we're to greet one another. Now, you young people are going to like what the Bible says. The Bible says three different times, greet one another with a holy kiss. I remember going to my dad when I was a teenager and said, Dad, do we believe the Bible? He said, yes, yeah, son. I mean, is the Bible the word of God? Yes, son. Every word in the Bible, the word of God. Yes. Do you believe that we should practice the Bible? Yes, son, we should practice the Bible. Should we do what God's told us to do? Yes. If we, are doing, if we are doing something that God says we shouldn't do, is that sin? Yes. If we're not doing something God says to do, is that sin? Dad said, yes. And I said, well, Dad, right here in Romans 16, 16, it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. So I'm going to stand at the door and I'm going to pucker up. <laughs> he said, well, you get to kiss everybody over 70. I said, that's not what I had in mind. I was going to go to the youth room, Dad. Be a greeter in the youth room. That was my new job. I think God's called me to the ministry of greeting. Now listen to me. Of course, we all know that the greeting of a kiss in the Middle East was an embrace that they do. Why did he say greet one another that way? Here's what he said. He said, because I want an outward demonstration of receiving and loving. I want you to think for just a minute in the church of Corinth about a scene that would happen there. When a Jewish man would sit across from a Gentile man. This Jewish man, his law told him that this man was unclean and that he could have no fellowship or contact with that man. 
But they both had come to Christ. I want you to see in the service when he stood up and he walked over to him and he greeted him. And there was an outward display of I am receiving you and I am loving you warmly and lovingly, publicly, joyfully. Can you see a master who had a bond slave but they had both been saved and they're now members of the church? And the bond slave, God had called him to teach. And in the church, he was a teacher. And his master who owned him was a member of that class. And the servant was teaching the master. Can you see them before class? On Monday, I work for you. On Sunday, I'm teaching you the word of God. But they embrace each other and they receive each other. Can you see that? You know, so often you come to church and you say, well, they're not dressed like me. Well, good. Listen, let me tell you something. When, when, we can get rid, when I can get rid of this thing, you know who invented the necktie? The wife of the man who invented nylons and high heels. <laughs> he invented these high heel shoes and said, you got to wear these. And she said, okay, <laughs> you wear that. It's mutual discomfort. You know, sometimes you say in church, you say, well, I can't, you know, I don't know about them, boy. Listen, mutual receiving, greeting. The Bible says we're to submit to one another. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Submission in the Bible is when you willingly and lovingly place yourself or under, the, under the authority of another that God may be glorified. Do you know as pastor of this church, so oftentimes I'm, I have to submit? Like, I'm not just walking around as a boss. I'm a member of this church, and many times I have to submit to other members of this church. I was standing here the other night at a wild game dinner, and one of the ladies said, hey, can you carry that chair over there? Do you know who I am? <laughs> she said, I don't care who you are. You got to carry that chair from over here over there. <laughs> There's times when I, when I go in to teach my Bible class at 8.20 in the morning. Tim Boggs is my boss. He's a terrible boss. He's not here today. <laughs> He's a driver, man. But I have to submit to him. When he says I have to have my grades in at a certain time, I can't call him up and say, hey, I'm the pastor. I can do what I want. There's mutual submission. There's mutual submission in the body. The Bible says not only are we to submit to each other, we're to forbear with one another. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, says we have to forbear. So what does that mean? It means you have to put up with each other. Do you know that not every member in the church is a lovely member? Do you know that people are going to come with a bad attitude? They're going to have a displeasing disposition. They're going to have an offensive way they talk. They're going to have a sinful attitude or actions toward other people. And you know what you have to do? Forbear that. You have to carry that on your own. And you have to love them in spite of it. Because listen, that's how Christ loves you. I'll close with this. But the Bible says we're to forgive one another. Forgiving one another... Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Unforgiveness has destroyed more families, more marriages, more churches. When you have somebody do you wrong, you have to forgive. Listen to me. One old preacher said this. If you fail to forgive when someone does you wrong... You are burning the bridge that you yourself must cross. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, that if you cannot forgive your brother who has trespassed against you, how shall your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses? When I forgive you, I have to cross a bridge that I'm going to have to cross to go get forgiveness from God. Because as you have wronged me, I have wronged him. And if I can't forgive you, how can I go across the bridge and ask forgiveness from him? Now listen to me. Forgiveness isn't cheap and easy. Forgiveness has a cost to it. If, if, if Matt Hedlund over here borrowed $1,000 from me, 
and I don't have a map, but if he borrowed $1,000 from me, he said, Pastor, I, have a, I can have $1,000. I, I he said, I'm going to pay you back. I said, okay. And he came to me a month later and he said, Pastor, please forgive me. I don't have the money. I can't come up with the money. Can you forgive that debt? I'm, I'm in trouble. Can you forgive that debt? If I say to Matt Hedlund, I forgive you, it cost him nothing. But it cost me a thousand bucks. And I have to bear that cost. And I can't, if I forgive it, I can't hold it over his head. I can't go back over him and say, remember that thousand dollars I gave you? I can't hold it over his head. Listen, God forgave you. What you got from God was wonderful, but it cost him something. Watch this. You owed God a debt. A debt of sin. The wages of sin is death. You owe God that debt. But God took that debt on his own body on the tree. And what you got free, he had to pay for. Now church, listen to me. If we can get a fellowship of believers who are the body of Jesus Christ and we are making him known and we are serving him and we are loving one another, submitting to one another, forbearing one another, praying for one another, receiving one another, greeting one another, as this church grows and as God adds to this church and we learn to grow together in Christ. Listen to me. Let me tell you what this is going to be. This will be a little colony of heaven. This will be a place where the Spirit of God is and Christ is. And there's a joy in this place where people's lives can be changed. Hollywood won't change a person's life for good. Destroy them. Take an innocent kid and turn him into a pervert. That's what it'll do. This world wants to take our children and shape them and mold them into a form that will destroy them. Teach them to go out and just do whatever you want. Listen to me. When people come in here, this is what they need. They need Christ. When I was a little boy, ever so often on a Wednesday night service, my dad would say, hey, let's take some testimonies. And people would stand up and give testimonies. And sometimes a little boy, I'd think, oh, here we go again. Sister so-and-so is going to testify for 20 minutes. But as I got older, I began to learn something. Sometimes as a teenager, I would sit in church and I would wonder what I was missing out in the world. And the Holy Spirit helped me one day see that people that were testifying in this church had been out there. They'd been there. They'd done that. They'd tried all that stuff. And they'd come in here and their lives had been changed. They were being put together. And I would see the tears and say, hey, man, I got saved. I've been a member of this church and I've never, I've never had more joy and happiness in all my life. Now, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I will tell you something. As a young person, I remember thinking, if they've been out there and were broken and they came in here to get fixed, I'm going to stay in here. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm 50 years old and I have a beautiful wife and a family. And if I had a thousand lives, I'd give them all to Jesus. I'd do it over and over and over again, give them to Jesus. There's nothing like being part of his body and his church. Hey, listen, we have something here. No schism, no division. We need a fellowship one with another. We need to see the unseen and see the spiritual work that God is doing in this church, in this place. And we need to love one another with a pure heart fervently. Our heads are bowed. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. How timely, how wonderfully, how perfectly it speaks to us. Lord, as these days grow darker and darker, you have said in your word that you have put us in the middle of a crooked and perverse nation that we would shine as lights. And Lord, I pray that we would let our lights be shining. The lights of Jesus Christ in every one of us, loving, forbearing, praying, receiving, greeting. And Lord, that in your body, 
as members of this body, we would make you known and we would serve you as we serve one another. Lord, you desire your church to grow. And I pray that we would grow more Christ-like. That we would grow towards you and grow towards one another. And Lord, you said as we lift up Christ, you would draw men to us. And I pray that when they come, that we would not ever think for a moment they're coming to us. But they're coming to you. And they need to have you minister to them, love them through us. So Lord, I pray that we would be a biblical fellowship of believers. Our heads are bowed for just a moment as we are dismissed in just a minute. I want to pray for you today. How many of you would say, Pastor, God dealt with me personally today about my place in his body. God dealt with me personally today. Would you slip your hand way up high? God dealt with me personally today. I know he did me. I want God to help me to be a better member of his body. I want to love you more and serve you more. I'm praying that God will do that today. If you just raised your hand there and said, God spoke to me, in just a moment, I want you to take a minute to pray. And you pray to him about what he spoke to you about. Say, Lord, help me to be that member. And then... I want to pray for you if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe you came today and you say, hey, I don't know Jesus like that. I don't know that I've ever been saved. I don't know that my sins are forgiven. I don't know that I have a home in heaven. I don't know that for sure. I mean, if I died today, I don't know what would happen to me. I want to go to heaven. I want to have my sins forgiven. I want to know Jesus Christ. But I don't know it. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand way up high, right where you sit? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come to you. But I'm going to have a prayer in just a moment. I want to pray with you. If you do not know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, just slip your hand way up high, right where you sit. God bless you there in the back. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you over on my left. I see your hand. God bless you. Who else? Just slip your hand way up high. Say, would you pray for me? Pray for me. Pray for me. God bless you right here in the back. I see your hand. God bless you. You may lower your hands. I want to tell you on the authority of God's word today, two things. Number one, you can know Jesus Christ as a personal savior today. And I'm going to tell you this, number two, I'm going to pray for you, but I can't do it for you. Every man has to come to Jesus Christ himself. Every person has to come himself. Jesus said, come unto me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I'll take your burden. And you have to come to him. By faith. Here's what I'm going to do in just a moment. I'm going to pray for you. And then those of you that raised your hand, our heads are going to be bowed. We're going to be praying. Many of our believers are going to be praying about what God spoke to them about. And as we pray, I want you to leave your seat. Walk right to the back. Listen, we have men and ladies standing right back here who will take the Bible. They're ready for you. They've been praying for you. They'll take the Bible. And they're going to show you some verses about how to have your sins forgiven and how to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It'll take just a few moments. They're going to take the Bible and show you that. And then they're going to have prayer with you. And you can leave here today knowing Christ as personal Savior. But here's the thing. You have to come. I can't do it for you. So I'm going to pray for you. Let's all stand quietly. If you're able to stand with me today, stand quietly with me. Our Father, I pray for these who've raised their hands this morning saying, I need to know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. I pray for them right now, Lord. You've spoken to their heart. They've responded with a showed hand. I need to know. Lord, we have people that are ready to help them. You're ready to save them. And I pray that by faith they would come today to you. I pray for that. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you raised your hand, some have already gone. Would you step out of your seat, walk right to the back, No one's going to embarrass you. No one's going to say anything to you. They're just going to meet you right back there. I'm so glad you're coming today. Just come right now and let them take the Bible and show you how to be saved. Thank you for coming. Hey, Christian, would you take just a minute right now and pray? Right now. Just pray, Lord, 
thank you for making me a member of your body. Father, help me to be the member that pleases you. Help me to really belong to that fellowship of believers and fulfill my responsibilities. Make me a gift to this church. Let God do that for you today. Father, thank you for hearing prayer today. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Lord, we've taken this first day of the week and we've spent time with you and with your people. And I pray that we would recognize that as we leave this room, we're going out into this world as the body of Jesus Christ. We are your face. We are your hands. We are your feet. We are your heart. And I pray that we would go into this world loving and walking in truth and grace, telling others about you. May they see you in us. I pray that many would come to know Christ because of this body of believers. We pray that in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.